Thank you. Amen. Well, I want to say thank you so much also on behalf of the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies USA. I know how much work it is to put on a conference. I've been on committees that, actually I was on committees, my main job was getting out of work. I didn't do the work that a lot of you guys did. And I've been involved on those committees and I know the work that goes on behind the scenes that nobody gets to see. And uh, I know the stress and for a church to take that on like you did. Uh, I just want to say thank you because not many churches could do that. But of those that could do that, not many would do that. It was a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice. But I believe lives will be forever changed because of your giving, sacrificing, serving to help pull off that conference. I know there have been times when I've gone to conference and I just wanted to quit. I've talked to other pastors that conference was a turning point in their life, in their ministry, where uh, they felt a special calling on their life or an adjustment in their ministry. Or there are those that came to conference saying, when I get home, I'm handing in my letter of resignation. And something happened in their heart. I've heard stories like that. And uh, I, I'm not at all, wouldn't be at all surprised if that happened at this conference as well. So thank you so much for all your work. You blessed a lot more people than you'll ever know, than you'll ever get to meet. And before I preach, let me also say a, a real special thank you to, to Pastor Paul. I, I sure always enjoy your fellowship, and uh, he's been a special man to me. I've, I learn a lot from him. I like to pick his brains. I've learned a lot about, a lot about church, about administration, about leadership. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed uh, uh, Patty and, and the family. I learned how to cast out demons in India with Rachel, and I'll let, her, I'll let her share that testimony with you some other time. But we were in a conference in India right on the front row. I, was that your first time in India? One of your first time, second time? And the demons began to manifest, and I'm not very good at that, to be honest with you. I just preach. I'm hoping somebody else knows how to cast those things out. But I looked over at Rachel, and she had such a, 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 a face of, of confidence and fearlessness in the face of those demons, uh, I knew I'd be all right. So thank you, Rachel, for, for granting that to me. Well, I'd like to talk to you today about, and it's a special message for mothers, but I would encourage all of you to listen in because there are principles that apply to many different situations in our life, whether you're a mother or not, but this message is especially geared towards mothers. And even though she's not here to hear this, I just want to publicly say, when I married my wife, I thought there's no way a man can ever love a woman more. And over the years, I've loved her more and more and more. It, that love just keeps getting deeper and growing. And one of the things that makes me love Lorraine even more is seeing what a great mom she is. And now what a great grandma she is. And I am so incredibly blessed to have her uh, as my wife. I would always tell her, you make me look rich. And she'd say, why? I'd say, well, have you ever seen a, a, a real old ugly guy walking down the street and he's got a beautiful wife next to him? What do people think? He must be rich. That's the only way. <laughs> That's the only way he could get somebody like her. So I say, thank you, hon. You've made me look rich to a lot, a lot of people. But <laughs> who said amen over there? And I, I was so blessed, my daughter, uh, she's expecting, she's not due until the middle of June, so if you'd remember to pray for this, but a few days ago she went into labor, and I thought, oh no, you know, I'm going to Canada, and she's going into labor, and it's much too soon, and uh, if the baby's born now, it'll be about four pounds, and respirator and all that kind of thing and I didn't want her to go through that I didn't want the kid to go through that and and so I was burned by that but it, the, the labor kind of softened up or slowed up or slacked up a little bit although she's still been having uh, contractions and, and and my birthday was yesterday and she said dad maybe maybe she'll be born on your birthday and uh, that's pretty good I don't look 75 right does anybody I don't look I don't look a day over 75 which is good says I'm not even close to 75 <laughs> But uh, she said, maybe he'll be born on your birthday, or if not, maybe, he'll be, maybe she'll be born. I said to her, maybe she'll be born on Mother's Day, but maybe we'll just let her wait a while. So if you could pray for my daughter, Rebecca, just 
She's a great mom. She's got two other kids, but we can wait on the third one for another month or so. And it was such a joy, though, to hear her voice. And, and I got to be honest with you, I just, after I, I heard her voice on the phone, I thought, I'm so blessed. Have a beautiful wife that loves my children and loves her grandchildren. And uh, so to all you moms, I just say, happy Mother's Day. I admire you. But if you would, turn to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And I want to talk today about hanging on and letting go. Hanging on and letting go. The key to faith is knowing how and when to hang on and when to let go. And that's also a key to parenting is when do you, when do you hang on and when do you let go? Hanging on and letting go. And we want to talk about that today. But before we get into our text, which is going to be first several verses of Exodus chapter 2, and I'll talk to you today a little bit about Jochebed, a great woman of God. Let me just read for you an accident report that a construction worker filled out because he was injured on the job. And he, he, he put together a pulley and a hoist, and he had to hoist up a, a barrel of bricks, and you'll get, the, you'll get the picture. But I want you to try and picture this because here's a man that didn't know when to let go and he didn't know when to hang on and if you don't know when to let go and when to hang on and what the difference is uh, it can cause a lot of pain in your life well here's his report that he's filling out when I got to the building I found that the hurricane had knocked off some bricks around the top so I rigged up a beam with a pulley at the top of the building and I I hoisted up a couple of barrels full of bricks When I had fixed the damaged area, there were a lot of bricks left over. Then I went down to the bottom again and began releasing the line to let the barrel down. Unfortunately, the barrel of bricks was much heavier than I was. And before I knew what was happening, the barrel started coming down fast, jerking me up. I decided to hang on uh, since I was already too far off the ground by then to jump, to jump. And halfway up, I met the barrel bricks coming down and I received a hard blow on my shoulder. I then continued to the top, banging my head against the beam and getting my fingers pinched and jammed in the pulley. When the barrel hit the ground hard, the bottom burst and all the bricks fell out. I was now heavier than the barrel. So I started down again at a high speed. Halfway down, I met the barrel coming up fast and received several injuries to my shins. When I hit the ground, I landed on that pile of spilled bricks, getting several more painful cuts and deep bruises. At this point, I must have lost my presence of mind because I let go of the rope. And the barrel came down fast, giving me another blow on the head thus putting me in the hospital, so I respectfully request some sick leave. (laughs) There was a man that didn't know when to hang on and when to let go. And one of the key things in all of life, especially a mom or a parent, is you got to know when to hang on and not to give ground and when to let go. And in the things of God, you've got to know when to fight through and when to just rest. When to say, uh, Satan, you're not having this. And when to say, it is done. It is well. So you got to know when to hang on. And you got to know when to let go. And maybe one of the problems you're having today is you're hanging on when you should be letting go. Or you you might be letting go when you should be hanging on. You might be thinking, that pastor's going to really confuse me today. (laughs) But I want you to look with me at, at the story of Jochebed. Jochebed is the, the mother of Moses, and we don't know a whole lot about Jochebed, and I'm going to guess a few things about her. I'm going to speculate something about her later, but, but Jochebed, this is basically about all we know about her. She was the mother of Moses, and I'm sorry I don't have a PowerPoint since I was traveling around, but get ready to write down four things, because I want to talk to you today about the four times that Jochebed had to let go. And our whole text will be her story. We'll only read a part of it. You kind of know the story, many of you. But there were four times in her life she had to let go. And you're probably at one of those times now where you have to let go. But you need to know when to hang on and when to let go. Jochebed means Jehovah gloried. I believe she feared the Lord. Well, let's just read several verses and, and get the idea. Refresh our mind to the story. A man of the house of Levi went and took for a wife a daughter of Levi... And so the woman conceived and bore a son, and 
When she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister, we know this to be Miriam now, his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the, Pharaoh, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the child wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then Miriam said to Pharaoh's daughter, she kind of comes out of the bushes at the right time, then Miriam said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse a child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So she went and called the child's mother, that's Jochebed. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to Jochebed, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Now, we don't know a whole lot more about Jochebed. Uh, We know a tribe of Levi. We know Amram, the husband. Uh, We know Aaron and Moses and Miriam were her children, but we don't really know much about her personal life. Her name tells us something. She gloried in God. I I believe she was a woman who feared the Lord. And when she saw this baby Moses, she didn't call him Moses yet. Pharaoh's daughter would name him that. But when she saw the baby, there was something different about this baby. Now the text said he was very beautiful. Uh, you read other passages of, of Scripture, for example, Acts chapter 7. And if you want some really interesting insights about Moses, read Acts chapter 7. It tells you stuff about Moses that Exodus doesn't. It gives you some good details. And uh, we read in, a- in Acts chapter 7, verse uh, 20, that he was exceeding fair. In Hebrews eleven twenty three, talking about her faith, how her faith helped her overcome her fear. It says that, that he was a proper child. Now, all of those words really don't tell you a whole lot. They're kind of ambiguous to me, but here's the bottom line. When they looked at this child, they just knew there was something about him. There was just this knowing that God has his hand on this child. This child is different. And I know all you parents, when you have a baby, you think your baby's the most beautiful kid in the world, and everybody's polite to you. Nobody wants to tell you what they really think, and so they just... They just go along with it. Oh, he's so beautiful. His head is round. And oh, he's got Uncle Clyde's nose and all this stuff. And, and you think your child, but that's not what we're talking about here. This is different than that. This is beyond that. They somehow knew, and I want you to write this word down, discernment. They had discernment. God gave some insight. And I believe that because she feared the Lord, God revealed secrets to her here's a passage of scripture about that psalm 25 12 through 14 the secret of the lord is with those who fear him i like what the niv says that those who fear the lord the lord confides in them think about that for a moment the lord will confide in you if you fear the lord what does it mean to confide in somebody well one thing is you tell them things you don't want everybody else to know and you trust them The Lord confides in those who fear Him. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. Here's what I believe. And and children, you listen to this now too because you're not going to get away with anything. Parents, if you fear the Lord, God will reveal things to you about your children's future. How many of you believe that? If you fear the Lord, God is more than able to reveal, not maybe all the great details, but I believe where it says, train up a child in the way that he shall go, and later on he will not depart. I believe God will reveal things to parents who fear the Lord so that you can help shape that child in that direction. I, I believe in that very much. And let me just give you a, a piece of, of, of advice for, for a moment. I'll get off the track, and then I'll get back on, but... If you are a born-again parent and you pray in tongues also, I would encourage you to spend an awful lot of time 
praying in tongues and just do, go like this and say, Holy Spirit, pray through me now for Matthew. And you start praying in the Spirit for your son Matthew. Holy Spirit, pray through me now for Rebecca. And by faith you start praying in the Spirit. And one of the things I did when my kids were little, I would go into their room at night when they were asleep. I didn't want to wake them, but I would kneel down at the end of their bed and I'd just touch their feet. I didn't want to wake them, so I'd just touch their feet. And I would kneel there for a few minutes just praying in the Spirit. And then I would try to be sensitive of any, any thought or, or, or feeling that I had as I was praying for them. And God, I believe, revealed secrets in those times that helped me as I was raising them. My, my oldest son, I always had this feeling of, of shepherding, of pastoring, and that sort of thing. And that's what he's doing today. I never forced him into I didn't even tell him that. This morning while I'm preaching here, he's preaching at home in our church. My second son, Andrew, I always had the feeling something about nations, I would always get this thought about nations and preaching to the nations. You know where he is? I know there's a time difference, so I'm not sure what that is. But Sunday, that's today, May 11th, whatever time that is in Uganda, he's preaching in Uganda today. God reveals secrets. And I believe Jochebed was a woman that feared the Lord and wanted to honor the Lord. Read about the midwives in chapter 1 of Exodus. They feared the Lord. The Pharaoh had said, you kill all the male babies. But they feared the Lord, and they didn't kill those babies. And God honored them, and God blessed them. God gave them homes. You know what your greatest need is? Your greatest need is not for a new house. Your greatest need is to fear the Lord. Because when you fear the Lord, God reveals secrets to you. The blessing of the Lord is with those that fear Him. The fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord, there's riches and honor. There's all kinds of treasures in the fear of the Lord. The best thing you can do for your kid is fear the Lord. And live and walk in the fear of God. And i got to believe Jochebed did that. Named Jehovah Glory, she, God revealed a secret to her, and she, she somehow, I don't know exactly how, but she somehow knew that there's something about her son, and, and I know the motherly instinct to not kill your baby, but I think there's more than that. He was a, quote, proper child. There's just something about him. And, 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 and here are, here are, I'm going to give you four times she had to release him. She had to let go of him. But our faith is to overcome our fear. There had to be a lot of realistic fears. And women, you can identify with this. Think of what it would feel like. Try and imagine in your mind that precious newborn baby and you hit him for three months. The, the drama of that, the tension of that. Trying to always feed him so he wouldn't cry. Not letting anybody know that you're hiding a baby. But after three months, she couldn't hide him anymore. So she takes a basket. She puts it with tar and pitch. She puts that little baby, Moses. Do you think she had some fears to overcome? Sure she did. But the Bible says she was a woman of faith. By faith, Hebrews 11. And she took that little child, now three months, holding him, nursing him, looking in his eyes, loving him, bonding with him. I believe the tension of those three months even added to the strength of the bond. And she took that little baby, she put him in the basket, put the lid on the basket. Can you imagine what was in her emotions as she pushed that basket out into the water? Now she was a wise woman. She said to Miriam, you hide here, you watch, see what happens to that basket. Now I'm, I'm reading into this, I know, but she probably was releasing him there knowing where Pharaoh's daughter did her bathing and that they would have had security out in that water. So maybe that's the safest place to put him in. But, but you know that story. But can you imagine what she felt like when she asked, actually had to let, her go, let him go? Here's release number one. Write it down. She had to release Moses to what I simply call the care of God. You know, as parents, we're always letting go. As a mom, you're always letting go. You, you got to let that child go to daddy when daddy's now the favorite for a period of time. You got to let that child go the first day they get on a school bus. Someday they'll walk down an aisle and say, I do. And you got to let them go. Being a parent means you're always letting go somehow. But mark this down, number one. Jochebed, before she could do any more, she had to release Moses into what we'll simply call the care of God. Now her prayer is not recorded or that she prayed, but i got to believe she was saying, Lord, take care of him. Lord, watch over my boy. Lord, protect him. Lord, you, your hand is on him. I, I know you've got a special destiny for him. 
And she released him into the care of God. And that's something we have to do as parents. Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, I am with you and watch over you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised to you. What a great promise to Jacob. I, I'm, I'm going to watch over you and I won't leave you. I'm going I'm to do everything I said. Moms, today let that be your prayer. Lord, watch over her. Watch over him. I thank you, Lord. You will care for him. You will care for her. And and you will continue your hand upon him until everything you promised you've done. And I believe a part of being a parent is being open to God, revealing things about our kids and part of their destiny and what he wants to do in their life. And we not only go before them in terms of time and we not only give our seed so that they can come into this world, but we go before them in prayer. Lord, you have your hand on this child. Now, fulfill everything you've ever, you've ever begun uh, in this child. And the Bible tells us in general to cast all your care. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care upon the Lord. You know what that word care is? It's anxiety, worry. And then it says, for he cares for you. And that's a different word. That means to take care of. So cast all of your worries, cast all of your anxieties on the Lord because He loves you. He wants to take care of you. You know how much you love your child. And you know what I'm telling you. I'm not telling you anything new today. But you know how much you love your child. But here's the good news. God loves your child even more than you do. You would fight for your child. You'd die for your child. I know you would because you're a parent. You're a mother. You would die for your child. How much more does God love your child? So release your child. Maybe your child's 40 years old. Maybe your child is is five years old. I don't know where you're at in life, but release your child unto God and say, God, you care for him. You care for her far more than I do. And think of all the what ifs. What if nobody finds him and he just keeps drifting out? It just goes right out. Well, what what if a predator gets him? alligator or, or crocodile, whichever one is in the Nile. What if one of those, what if one of those gets him? What if the wrong person finds him? What if a soldier finds him? What if, what if, they, what if they keep him and are, are unkind to him? Or what if they kill him? I mean, all the what ifs. You can lose all kinds of sleeps. Uh, you've probably already done it with all the what ifs of your child. And I simply say to you, let it go. Release them unto the care of Almighty God. Psalm 115, 12 says, The Lord remembers us and will bless us. Psalm 121, 4 and 5, The one who watches over Israel never slumbers, never sleeps, and the Lord watches over you. He is your shade, and, and, and in the sun you, it will not harm you. Well, if that's true about you, isn't it true about your seed? Isn't it true about your offspring? That the Lord loves them and the Lord watches over them. And, 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 and you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you sometime when your child was born, when, however you did it, you dedicated them to God? You committed them to God. I know when my kids were born right there, I didn't care who was there. It didn't matter. They're getting paid. They did, I, I can do what I want. And when my child was born, I would just right there in the delivery room, raise them up to God. Just pray out loud, God, they're yours. And I'd pronounce a blessing on them. And, and I, w- I would almost as if it were a prophecy on them. And I didn't care if the nurses or doctors were there. This is our moment. This is my kid. And I'm going to dedicate him to God. And I know in whatever way you've done it, maybe in a church service, uh, maybe it's just in your heart and prayer, you today who are godly parents, you've committed your child to the Lord, haven't you? Well, remember these words of, of Paul, Timothy 1.12. He says, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So mom, be encouraged today. God took you seriously when you dedicated your child to him. And God knows how much you love that that child. And God loves that child even more. But there are times when we can do no more. Notice this story, how beautiful it is. How beautiful it is. She releases him to the care of God and, and, and she, can't, she can't do any more. How fast do you think her heart was beating, waiting to hear Miriam come back with what had happened. But when Miriam come back, came back, she didn't come back with a report. Miriam came back with a child. What do you think that moment was like for Jochebed? 
She put that baby in the basket and released him. She released him under the care of God. And now Miriam must have come hurrying back to wherever they dwelt in. And, and mom, mom, and, and handed that. What do you think that felt like? Get that baby in her arms again. Oh, hey, get this. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. She now gets paid to nurse her child. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? But she had to release him to the care to the care of God. Now, we don't get to rejoice for too long. Uh, a lot of this is just kind of coming out of the culture of the day. Many people believe that, that they would nurse a child about five years. Let's say that's so. So she has him for about five years, nursing him, getting paid for nursing him. But however long the length of time was, the day comes when she's got to release him again. What was that day like? Walking back into the palace with this five-year-old, giving him, and now notice how, how simply yet, those are strong words where it says, and he became the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know the story of Moses. But what do you think those words meant to her, Jochebed? He became her son. He had, she had to release him to the care of God. And, and maybe today I, I would say this to you, uh, you might have to release your child today. You, you might need, the, today might be a, one of those letting go days in your life. But while she had him for those five years, look what she did. It's not recorded for us. Again, I'm reading into it, I admit that. But he got to be a certain age, and he knew who he was. When you read Acts chapter 7, it says it was in his mind. Continually, that's kind of the way it's, it, it reads in Acts 7. It was on his mind continually to go down and visit his brethren. They, he knew those slaves were his brothers. Where did he know that? And then it says, when he, when he smote the Egyptian and then he tried to reconcile, a difference ended up running away. You remember that story? It says, he figured that they would know that by his hand, God would deliver them. He somehow knew he was a deliverer. How did he know that? My suggestion to you is, I bet it was Jochebed. I bet some of the things that were revealed to, him, to her were passed on to him. And, and you and I as parents, our job is to put the word of God in our children. 2 Timothy 1.5, the sincere faith that was in your grandmother Lois and, and, now, and in your mother Eunice and now is in you. 2 Timothy 3.15, that from an infant you have known the scriptures. While you, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. It says that, Timothy, from an infant you knew the Scriptures. I believe that's a mom and a dad putting the Word of God into that child. And some of you, you look at your children today and you're burdened and your heart is heavy today because your child's not living for God. But remember, you put the Word of God in them. You put the Word of God in them. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13 says... And your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. I believe that. And what little time Jochebed had with Moses when, when she had him for those five years, I, began, I believe she was pouring into him whatever she knew of God, whatever it was. And they, they, I mean, they were very limited what they had, but whatever she knew of God, she, she somehow put in him so that when he was 40 years old, he knew he was different than everybody else. Even though he's a big shot in Egypt, he knew he was different. And you know what? It's good that, that you put into your children. They know that you're different. But now the day comes again, five years. Now what does she have to do? She has to release him again. Now write down Psalm 127, verse 4. Psalm 127 is one of those promises to families and the blessing of children. But it, it says children are like arrows. Think what you do with an arrow. You, you, you work with that long, hard wood and, and the shaft of the arrow. And, and you work with the feathers on the end. Why? Why do you do that? Because you have to let it go. You have to pull the bow back and you have to aim it in a direction. And that's how it is raising children. We, we put some tension on them and, and we raise them in a, a direction and, and we try to limit their choices and we try to teach them the Word of God. But at some point, you've got to let go. You've got to let the arrow fly. And you've got to trust that God was with you doing all that you were doing as a parent. You've got to let it go. You've got to shoot that arrow. There comes a time where in the destiny of your child, they've got to have some separation between you and them. You've got to let them go. And that's a hard thing for a parent, isn't it? It's a real hard thing. And Jochebed had to let him go. 
Number one, she had to let him go to the care of God. I believe that lasts all life, our whole lifetime. We're letting our children go to the care of God. We're saying, God, you care. Lord, take care of them every day, every day. Men, I know it's ladies' day, but men, I want to challenge you. Be the man in your house. You get up in the morning before anybody else in your house gets up. And you let God hear the names of your wife and your children. You let God hear their names coming from your lips before he hears any sound from them. You're the man. You do that. And, and, I, and, and women, I know you are prayer warriors, especially for your children. Because the time comes when you've got to let them go. And you've got to release that arrow. Let it fly. And so she does. Here's, here's release number two. Write this one down. She had to release him to the care of God. But number two, she had to release her son to his own choices. Yeah, there came a time when Moses is going to make his own choices and Jochebed can't do anything about it. She had to let that child go. And the Bible says in Acts 7, 21 and 22, he was nourished in the ways of Egypt. She had to let him go. And now she had him for five years. Now Egypt's going to have him for 35 years. But her years were greater, huh? Because she feared the Lord. But, but during those 35 years, he's making choices. Now you read Acts chapter 7. I'd encourage you this afternoon to read Acts 7. Because Stephen in his preaching says some things under the anointing of the Spirit about Moses you don't get anywhere else. We think of Moses as a stutterer. He couldn't talk very well. You know what Stephen said about him? He was mighty in word and in deed. Moses, history tells us, was a great orator. He was a great military leader in Egypt. He was mighty in word and deed. And Jochebed could have been hearing about that. The one leading the armies in, in victory. There's, there's historical references to great victories that he won. And, and then he was a great orator. We only think of him at the burning bush where he says, I can't talk, I can't talk. That was for another reason. He had, he had been so beaten up in the wilderness, he didn't believe in himself at all anymore. But at one point, he was a great orator. History tells us that. And he was a great military leader. He was a, he was a great man in Egypt. He was being groomed for the throne, making choices. How do you think Jochebed fell, felt? Now, again, I'm reading in. I'm speculating. I'm telling you up front I'm doing it because the Bible doesn't say how she felt. But knowing that she was a woman who feared the Lord, I don't think it got her all excited that he was a big shot in Egypt. She wanted God's purpose, God's destiny fulfilled in his life. And she could see him making all kinds of choices. And mom and dad, I want to tell you today, your son, your daughter, they might be successful. They might be prosperous. They might be respected. But if they're not living with a passion for God, you need to be on your knees interceding. Don't be content just that they're living okay in the world. No, that's not their destiny. Their destiny is to be on fire for God. Their destiny is to be sold out disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and they need you in prayer for them until that happens in their life. And they're making choices. You can't do anything about their choices. And I got to believe that she wasn't, she wasn't overjoyed just to hear of how he's being praised in Egypt. But she wanted him to be the man of God that something was revealed to her spirit those many years before. See, I believe in this when... When you release someone to their own choices, there are two things you've got to depend on. Write these down. Number one, you've got to trust the training. Trust the training. I mean, the Bible promises you, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go, and later on they will not depart. I mean, you do your best to train. You don't have to be perfect. Just love them, but train them in the way of God. You're, nobody's going to be perfect. Don't condemn yourself, but train them in the way of the Lord. And later on, they're not going to. Do you trust in God's word? Being a parent's not easy. It's a lot of times saying no. It's a lot of. Uh, you can't be their best buddy all the time. You got to hedge them in a little bit. Train them. That's what the word means. Isaiah 55, 6 through 13 says his word will not return void. And I know that was to the nation of Israel and the prophet was prophesying to a nation. But I also believe the word of the Lord for your child and the scripture you put in your child and, and the training and the love and the prayer. I believe that's not going to return void to the Lord. And so trust in the training that God is going to honor what you poured into that child. When you let him go under their own choices. But also rely on the Redeemer. Rely on the Redeemer. 
Some of you raised children, and, and then you became a believer. And, and you look at your life and say, oh, I wish I'd known. Well, God knows you didn't know. So trust in Him to redeem. Trust in Him to buy back. And it's still His promises for your house. As for me and my house, that includes my offspring. What do I got to do to be saved? The Philippian jailer said, what do I got to do? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And your house. Believe God for your house. Believe God for your children. There are many promises in the scripture about the seed of the righteous, that they're going to be mighty on the earth. The seed of the righteous will be established before God. I think as many parents today, we ought to start praying that, God, your word says the seed of the righteous will be established before God. What does that mean? That means they're going to be rooted and grounded in God. They're not going to be wishy-washy. They're not going to be secular Christians. They're going to be rooted in God. Lord, you said, seed of the righteous. Uh, you declared me righteous. Lord, I claim that. Hallelujah. Start claiming those promises, seed of the righteous. The Bible says the seed of the righteous will have a, a refuge the seed of the righteous will be blessed after us. The seed of the righteous will never beg for bread. There are many promises. Look it up. Get a concordance. It's an easy study. Find the phrase, seed of the righteous, and see all the promises God gives you. Because there's a time you've got to release them to their own choice. And all you can do is trust in the training and, and trust in the Redeemer. Rely on the Redeemer and stay before God in prayer and saying, God, you promised. God, you said. As you wait upon the Lord. And one day Moses made a choice. It was a good choice. Write it down. Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. It says he chose to suffer affliction rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. And, and he chose the reproach of God's people rather than the glories of Egypt. He made a choice. He made a right choice. But he blew it. Uh, Stephen says he thought by his hand they would know that he was a deliverer. And they, they didn't know that by his hand, did he? They rejected him. He made a choice, but they rejected him. You know, sometimes as a parent, you feel like you're on a yo-yo. You're up and you're down and you're... I mean, now he's, he's making a good choice, and then he blows it. And, then he, and now here's the third time she had to release him. Number one, release him to the care of God. Number two, release him to his own choices. Now number three, she had to release him to the dealings of God. What do I mean by the dealings of God? You see, God had to deal with Moses when he went to that well and met Jethro's daughter and she goes back, she goes, an Egyptian helped us get the water. See, there was still a lot of Egyptian in him. God had to deal with him. God had to break him. It's hard for us to see our children in pain, but oftentimes it's the dealing of God that is inflicting that pain. It's exactly what they need. And we need to release them to the dealing of God rather than running in and trying to bail them out. Remember the prodigal son, the father of the prodigal son? He didn't send him money, did he? No, when you're out there slopping pigs, well, I got to let you go. I got to let God deal with you. And, and, and as parents, sometimes that's the hardest thing in the world. It's like Proverbs where it says when they're, don't, don't, don't stop your spanking because of their crying. And, and sometimes, not that just that we're spanking them, but sometimes we see the dealings of God and, and you've been dealt with by God and, and it hurts sometimes and you go through failures and disappointments and sometimes the dealings of God crush you. Do you think Moses was crushed by the dealings of God? Here's a man, according to the scripture, was mighty in word and deed. And now we see him before the burning of bush. Lord, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. He was crushed by the dealings of God. And, and, and I, I'm not trying to ruin your mother's day. <laughs> hey, it gets worse, so hang in there. <laughs> but one of the hardest things is you love your child. You don't want to see him suffer. You say, oh, God, I'd wish that pain. I wish I could take that pain. No, they need that pain. You need to let them have that pain. And sometimes that's the hardest thing in the world to do. Release them to the dealings of God. See, if you fear the Lord, he'll reveal secrets to you. He'll tell you when to be involved, when not to be involved. You need to learn how to hang on, when to let go. And release them to the dealings of God. And, and every one of us, you know, I, I wept over my children because I, I know that God has a call on their life. And I know some of the stuff I went through I know some of the pain I felt. I know the pain of my own failures. And I know the pain of the betrayal of other people. 
My son comes to me and says, I want to be a pastor. I didn't jump up and down and go, whoopee, yay, yay. I knew it's gonna, his heart is going to get trampled. And I can't spare him that. I have to let him go through that. It's the dealings of God. I can share with him my dealings from God so that he can, he can maybe get, get a head start in some areas. But every one of our children, just like every one of us, needs to be broken. And it's hard when you see God breaking your child to just let him go. But while you let him go, you're also hanging on, aren't you? You're hanging on to the promises. You're hanging on to what God has breathed into your heart. And you say, oh God, please, but okay, break them, Lord. Break them, Lord. You got you to release them to the dealings of God. Isaiah 48.10, he says about all of us, including your children, I have refined you not as silver. I have tried you, but not as, not in the, not as gold. I have refined you in the furnace of affliction. I'll do this for my own sake, he says. Job 23.10, he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I'll come forth as gold. Proverbs 25.4, take away the dross from the silver. In other words, I've got to go through the fire to get the dross out. What's left? A vessel for the refiner. We say, God, I want my son to be a man of God. I want my son to be an instrument in your hands. And God says, okay, then I'm going to have to put him in some fire. And you can't get him out. I'm going to break him. And you can't just run in there and try and heal him. You've got to release him. You've got to release him to the, the dealings of God. But, but friend, I want, to, I want to ask you one simple question. Write this passage down, Philippians 1.6. I know, it's to the church. But it says, Paul says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue it until that day. Right now, just take a moment. Right now, you think of your child, you think of your grandchild, whoever's on your mind, whoever you're burdened about, and, and answer just one simple question. Did you ever see God at any time, even no matter how tiny, small, did you ever see God do anything in that child's life? Did you ever see them quote a scripture, sing in a play or anything that had anything to do with it? Did you see God start anything in their life? Don't look at, maybe they're messed up on drugs now, maybe they're living in the world. Don't look at that right now, just look at one thing. Did God start anything in them? The answer is yes, he did. And here's my quote to you. Be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work will continue it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has not given up on your child, but you have to just release him to the, or her to the dealings of God, and it's hard to watch them hurt. But you do want them to be a woman, a man of God, don't you? There is no other way. So release them. Release them to the dealings of God. And for 40 years, I don't know if she knew where, where Moses was or what was going on. He was just on the backside of a mountain. Every, every sense of self-confidence was getting crushed in him. But now we come to the fourth one. So release your child to the care of God. Release your child as, as you've cared for him. Release your child to their own choices. Release your child to the dealings of God all the time, hanging on to the promises. And last of all, release your child to the call of God. Now, we don't know this. This is not a fact. It's just an idea. But the Bible does say that Amram was 100, the, the father, was 137 years old. Fathers always married uh, uh, younger girls in those days. You do all the math. It's very possible that Jochebed was alive at the Exodus and she saw Moses leading children of Israel out. But you know, that's not always a picnic, is it? All the criticisms, all the murmuring, all the time they wanted to stone Moses and go back to Egypt. She, she might have been there listening to them talk about her son that way. That would not be easy. And so here's the last point. Simply this, you must release your child to the call of God. You must release your child to the call of God. What if God calls your child to be a missionary in another land? You don't get to see him that often. Release your child to the call of God. 
What if your child is, is called to do some kind of occupation where they're always getting criticized and, and you've got to listen to all that, release your child to the call of God. Because after all, we brought these children into the world to serve God. We dedicated them to God. And, and we must release them to the call of God. And, and, and she, had to, she had to know that, that this is not going to be an easy task, uh, leading these, these stubborn people into the wilderness and out of Egypt. But she had to release him to the call of God. And so today I ask you, have you released your child to the call of God? Have you said, okay, Lord, you, you work your way in their life and you deal with them and I, I, I did what I knew to do and what, what's done is done. I can't go back and, uh, and redo it, but Lord, I trust you as a redeemer. I trust you, hear my prayer. And, and you said the seed of the righteous and I'm righteous now. Maybe I wasn't then, but now I'm claiming it. God, deal with my child. But call my child and release your child to the call of God. As I close this message, I want to tell you a personal story and and my daughter knows that when, I'm, when I go different places, I tell this story. And, and we've told it kind of a little less detailed in our own, in our own church just for the sake of, of some of the people involved. But, but, but I believe you could benefit from this. But when my daughter went away to school, and I, and I only have one daughter, and she is so precious to me. Her name's Rebecca. And we were always going to name her Elizabeth, but, but in the hospital room, I held her up to God, and, and I dedicated her to God as, as Rebecca. I got totally confused. And I looked at my wife and I said, wait a minute, because I said, don't let, I was talking to my baby, you know how you talk to a baby? Why we do that? I don't know, they don't know, what do they know? And so I'm talking to the baby, and we always said, we want to name her Elizabeth, but we don't want anybody to call her Liz. No offense to any of you, but we don't want to call her Liz. And so I, I dedicated her to God, and I, I pronounced her name Rebecca. And, 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 and as I'm holding her after that prayer, I said, now, don't you let anybody call you Liz. And I thought, well, why would anybody call her Liz if she's... And I got so confused, and Lorraine's still on the delivery table. And I said to Lorraine, what do we name this kid? And she goes, she goes well, we were going to name her Elizabeth, but you, you pronounced her Rebecca, so Rebecca she is. <laughs> you know, Rebecca, the name Rebecca means snared. The inference is snared by beauty. And, wow, a name fitter. Because from the very moment I held her, she snared my heart. And she really is beautiful. And I called her my Rebecca Precious Jabu. And I would take her every Tuesday. We'd go to a Bible study together. And, and, and she'd ride me when she was real little. And she'd be in her car seat. And I'd roll down the windows. And I would yell as loud as I could yell, Rebecca is my precious! And she would laugh. <laughs> she goes away to college. I call the dorm. She, I get, oh, go get Rebecca. They hand her the phone. I yell, Rebecca is my precious. <laughs> oh, Dad. <laughs> but she's my precious. She really is. Man, you know what I'm talking about. Your daughter. And she went away to school. She was a basketball player, and she loved God. And she goes away to a Christian college to play basketball, and Study, didn't know what she wanted to study. She just really just wanted to play basketball. So she goes away to school, and, and, and I sit her down before she goes away. I said, you got to promise me one thing, and I'm serious about this. Said, what, what? Don't get all A's. What? what? I said, yeah. It's a spiritual school. You're going you're gonna to have outings, and you're going to be on the basketball team, and it's okay if you get some B's. I don't want you to get all A's. I just want to take a little pressure off her. I just said, stay eligible so you can play, but you don't have to get all A's. I didn't want her going there in all tense, because all through high school, she, I mean, she was like that kind of student. And I knew there's basketball practice, I knew there's outreaches and, and evangelism and all kinds of stuff. She got all A's anyway. I just wanted to take the pressure off. But she goes away to this Christian school, and, and then I find out after a while, she tells us, she was open about it, I think I'm falling in love. Really? We better scare this boy. <laughs> so he comes, he comes to visit. He's a big athlete, tall guy. Says he wants to be a pastor. He's there to study for the ministry. Wants to be a preacher. And then I find out he wants to marry my daughter. 
And my wife and I were praying, and as we prayed, the more we prayed, everything on the outside looked perfect, didn't it? Preacher, serve God, ministry. She loves him like crazy. I look over at her, and I see something in her eyes. Wait a minute, give me that back. What are you looking at him like that for? I took him out one day. He came to visit. It was 115 degrees. And I like riding a bike. And I said, I'm going I'm to smash this kid on a bike ride. I'm, I'm going to really hammer it. I don't mean literally hit him, but I said, I'm taking him out in the hottest point of the day, and I'm going to hammer that ride, and I'm going I'm I'm to make this kid throw up. <laughs> and I went out. And, of course, he wants to make a good impression on me, and so I'm just hammering, going as hard as I can, and he's just breezing along. I get back from that, back, that bike ride, and he says, oh, yeah, hey, they, thanks, Mr. Bradford. That was cool, you know. Man, three days I was hurting. <laughs> what did I, I didn't break him at all. Well, I think you'd naturally feel that way about anybody that loves your daughter. But there's something else. As my wife and I, especially my wife, as we prayed, maybe it was a little bit like Jacobet, just there's something. Couldn't put your finger on it, but there's something. And there's something about this young man that, no, he's not the one. And, of course, she's off to school, and we didn't have any good reason why he's not the one. I mean, he, he's a believer. He, he wants to be a preacher. He wants to marry her and serve God together. But in our hearts, my wife and I had just, no, he's not the one. Some of her professors at school thought they were a great match, and they pass all the psychology tests and compatibility and all that stuff. And yet it was in our hearts, no. And it, be, it grew stronger. And God spoke something into me. And I, I'm not one to say, oh, God said, God said, God said. But it just came in here. And I knew, I knew it. I didn't like it, but I knew it. I knew he wasn't the one. But God spoke right in here. And these were the words that came. Don't give him an inch. Don't give him an inch. I didn't know it was coming, but, but a short time after that, he shows up at my house and he says, well, you know, Pastor Bradford, I'm here because, and he thought it was going to be this glorious moment. He said, I'm here to ask your, your daughter's hand in marriage. I said, absolutely not. No. He was stunned. But, but I'm going to go in the ministry. Good. Go. I wanted to say, go ye into all the world. <laughs> go to the other end of the earth. <laughs> Be blessed among the pygmies of wherever. <laughs> and then he started to argue with me how they're so compatible and the teachers at school thought they were compatible. And I said, look, my answer is no. And inside it was like, don't give an inch. And, and, and he got in his car and he drove away. And, and my wife wasn't home yet. I literally ran up a mountain in our area. I was so, I just had to do something. The arrogance of that guy. But my, my daughter was in love with him and I didn't have a good reason to break him up. She's off at school. She was bothered by the fact that I had said no. And, and, and my wife began to pray and fast many days. Many days, my, my wife would pray, and, and she would just say, Mark, I'm not cooking today, and she'd fast. And, and, and many nights, I'd wake up, and I'd hear my wife. I'd hear her muttering, and, 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 and she was interceding. And, and I'd hear Becca's name, and, and then I'd hear my wife sob. As my wife would be interceding for Becca, because we knew that Becca's heart was being torn, because I said I couldn't bless that marriage. And my daughter's a good girl, and she wanted to please us. And that was one of the things that tore me up. And, and when I said, no, you, I won't bless this. No, you can't have my daughter's hand in marriage. It just tore my daughter's heart out. And, and we saw her falling into a depression. We saw her withdrawing and getting worse and worse. And, and yet this kid, they're still at school, this kid. We, I mean, he was good. He knew how to get her heart. But I knew what I knew. It's I knew what said on the inside. Don't give an inch. And my wife was rock solid. Mark, he's not the one. I know he's not the one. Mark, I know he will hurt her. We don't have any shred of evidence, but I know it. So all we could do is pray and fast and pray in tongues and release her unto God. And and she came to me one day and, and I was so happy. I was so proud of her. 
She came to me, and yet the pressure that's put on me, she came to me, and she said, Dad, and I could tell she was just torn up, just torn up. She wanted to obey us, yet she loved him. She really did love him. It was, it was genuine in her heart. And she said, Dad, she said, I, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And she was just falling. I thought she was having a breakdown. She said, Dad, but i got to tell you, I, I know I need to tell you this. She said, I trust you more than I trust my own heart. So I'll break up with him. And she did. But she went into such an emotional spiral. She had to drop out of school. She just couldn't study anymore. She, her weight dropped. She just was not healthy. She just was in a depression. She came home and I felt like I did that to her. I was the bad guy. If only I would have said yes. In her mind, she could go live happily ever after, but something on the inside, both my wife and I said no. And one day I came out of a, a restaurant where we had a morning Bible meeting, and, and I was shocked. I looked up, and this guy was standing in the parking lot waiting for me. He had taken a, a plane there and rented a car, and, and he knew I dealt, taught that Bible study. So he was waiting there to see me. And he said, I've come to ask for a second chance. I know you're a preacher and you believe everybody needs a second chance. Everybody deserves a second chance. I said, no way. The only way I can give you a second chance is if I expose her heart to you again. And I will not do it. You get back on that plane. You fly out of here. Man, I thought it was going to come to blows right there. I thought I'm going to get arrested. Well, how's this going to be in the paper? <laughs> Plus, the guy's huge. But you know what? Dads, you know what I'm talking, dads. I know he was infatuated with my daughter. I know that, but I know this. At that point in time, there's no way he loved her more than I did. And that alone meant I could take him if it came to it. But he left. And I thought, it's over, it's over. I went off on a mission trip in Brazil and and while I was in Brazil, I had the worst dream I've ever had in my life. I don't claim it was from God. It was just a nightmare. It was the worst dream I've ever had. This kid's face was in it, this young man. And, and he was he's so tall. And, and he was leering at me in the dream. And, and in this dream, I, he, he was leering at me. I saw his face. He was surrounded by these other young men. They were all buff and cut and you know that. And, 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 and they were all young college kids. And, and, and he was surrounded, but yet he was head and shoulders above them because of his height. And, 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 and I looked over at him and I said, what are you doing here? And, and he said, I've come for your daughter. I'm going to have her and you can't stop me. And I simply said back, you can't have my daughter. You won't have my daughter. This is all in a dream, so it gets weird. And, and, and he says, and he was in a house. Well, you know, dreams are like, they're like, uh, they're free. Anything happens in a dream. And he's in this house, like a frat house at college. And all these kids are in there with him. And he's leering at me. You won't come in here after me. You won't come in here after me. I'm going to take your daughter. And I said, no, you won't have my daughter. I'm coming in. And in my dream, I went in that house, and these guys that were with him tried to fight me. And this is where it gets, sorry, mothers, this is not very good for Mother's Day, but I start pulling their arms off and throwing them on the floor. <laughs> and, I, and, and they're dropping all around me, and they're trying to get me, and they're trying to pull my arms off, and I'm pulling their arms off. It was bloody. <laughs> Finally, I got to him, and all of these guys, they were just laying on the floor without any arms. And I had blood all over me, and, I, and this guy, he's leering at me. He's, he's saying, I'm going to take your daughter. And I said, you won't have my daughter. I'm going to take your daughter. And I reached up, and I grabbed his head with my two hands, and I tore it off. <laughs> and I threw it on the ground, and while his little sneering face was spinning, <laughs> I looked down at that spinning head, and I said, you will not have my daughter. Happy Mother's Day. I thought last night, I thought, maybe I shouldn't share this dream. It is Mother's Day. <laughs> but I woke up from that dream. My, my shirt was drenched in sweat. I was alone in a room in Brazil. My phone wouldn't work. I couldn't contact Lorraine. I said to the mission, I got to call home. Can you give me somewhere I can call home? It was two or three days before I could make a call. And I just thought that, that, that kid came for my daughter. Something's happened with my daughter. And I got Lorraine, and said, no, no, she's just really depressed, but no, he hadn't shown up, he's, he's okay. She's, she's okay, she's just really down like she had been before he left. 
I came home from that trip and she was still really down. And my wife was still fighting those battles in prayer and fasting and getting up all night and praying in the spirit. And she did far more than I did. I, I, I attributed it to her. She, she would pray and seek God. And, and one night I woke up and she was laying next to me on the bed and I heard her praying in the spirit. So I just started praying. And then she said to me, Mark, it's going to end tonight. Tonight's the night. It's over. I said, he's got such a power over her. No, Mark, tonight it'll be broken. It's over. I said, well, what should we do? And she said, no, Mark, God, I, I know this. I know this is in my spirit. She's not a goofy, God said this, God said that, charismatic. She's solid. And she said, Mark, two things. You're to go back to sleep. And she was firm on that. She said, you go back to sleep. And I am supposed to go get in bed with Rebecca. Now, admit it, that's weird, right? <laughs> I said, you, God's telling you to get in bed with Rebecca. No, I know, I'm, I'm to get in bed with her. Okay. She said, Mark, you don't even need to pray. Just go to sleep. Because it'll end tonight. She went and got in bed with my daughter. And, and my daughter was sound asleep. She stood there watching her. And she was sound asleep. She tried to sneak into the bed. But she woke up and my daughter was kind of sleeping. What are you doing, Mom? Just go back to sleep. I'm supposed to lay here for a while. Just go back to sleep. My wife laid there for a couple of hours just praying in the spirits quietly. And after about two hours, she felt my daughter rustling around and the covers moving. And then she felt it again. Then she felt it again. She continues to pray. And, and finally, it happened uh, frequently enough. She just said, Becca? Yeah, Mom. Are you, are you texting on your cell phone? Yeah, Mom. He's here. He's come back for me, Mom. He's been texting me for the last hour, telling me where he is. He, he drove here. He wants me to run away with him tonight and marry him. He says, God will bless, and you and Dad will understand. He wants me to sneak out of the house and meet him. And we'll run off and get married. And my wife said to her, well, it's going to end tonight. So if you're going to do it, go. If you're going to go, go. We prayed. You know how we feel. We will always love you, no matter what. We will always love you. We will do whatever we can for you. But this needs to end tonight. So if you're going to go, go. And my daughter got up, got dressed, and walked out of the house. But before she got to the end of the driveway, she stopped and she said to herself, if my parents can't bless it, I can't do this. And she came back in and it was broken. That, whatever hold that man had over her was gone that night. It was broken. And I woke up the next morning and I, I didn't know, and, and, I, and I was anxious to find out what happened and I just assumed Lorraine, you know, prayed and fell asleep and, and, and she said, now Mark, don't, don't get all worked up because it's over. <laughs> but let me tell you what happened last night. She said, you know, he was texting her, wanted her to go away with him. And I said, well, why didn't, you, why didn't you let me pray with you? And she said, I know what you would have done. You would have gotten in her car and gone to that meeting spot, weren't you? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I would have met him. <laughs> that boy would have been met that night. <laughs> I can just see him seeing her car pull up, and he's thinking it's her. And he gets out of the car running over like the two lovers in the daisy field of weed. And, and the music going slowly, and then I'd get out and dream come true. But I want to tell you something, and I'll conclude with this. We found out later stuff about him that my daughter was so glad. There was stuff about him she had no way of knowing stuff was revealed, all kinds of stuff about, I don't even, you don't need to know. But today, she's married to a godly man. She's one of the happiest mothers on the face of this earth. And you know why my daughter 
as happy and serving God and raising children today because she had a mother, not me. I would have been in jail. <laughs> I told Lorraine, when Rebecca decided to come back in the house, it saved his life and me from jail. You think I'm kidding. I kind of am, but you know how dad feels. You know why Rebecca is any time not having a third child and is happy, just happy serving God, happy with her children, happy with her life fulfilled? You know why? Well, we don't take the credit, but a big part of this picture is she had a mother who knew how to hang on and how to let go. Every one of us in this room has something we need to hang on to and something we need to let go of. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as Pastor Paul comes to close, and he'll close any way that's on his heart. But I just want you right now to know this. God loves your children more than you do. And there's a time to hang on, and there's a time to let go. And God has not forgotten your children, and God has not forgotten what he put in your heart about your children. You be blessed. And see your children and your children's children blessed after you. Amen. I'm going to close.